Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Dear Lord, I just serve and consecrate myself and everyone who's present here, my Lord. They've come here. They've gathered here, my Lord, to listen to your words. And so pray, Lord, that you will have mercy on us, that you will have mercy on each one of us. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak your words into our hearts today. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as if we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. And blessed is the fruit of thy own Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. All your holy angels and saints, pray for us. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you've been listening to our talk on holiness. I, I believe you heard a talk on holiness last week, and so we're going to continue with the same. Can somebody tell me what's the first beatitude? Yeah, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So Jesus is speaking this beatitude, and he says, blessed are the... And, and when, he, when he's speaking the, this first beatitude, the crowd was present there, the disciples were there, and looking to everyone, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And uh, the word for blessed, he used a word called makurios, which means supremely blessed. And the word for uh, poor, he used a word called tukos, which means a literal meaning is a beggar or a pauper. Okay, beggar or a pauper. Now, who's a beggar or a pauper? Who's a beggar? A beggar is a person who has no money, no bank balance, no property, no shares, nothing at all. He has nothing for his daily living, daily sustenance. He has to depend on somebody else for his daily living. Yes or no? That means, in other words, he's a big zero. Yeah? And the word, blessed are the poor in spirit, the word he, uh, the Bible uses is a word called nuema. From that word also comes spiritual. So if I paraphrase what Jesus said, supremely blessed are you when you realize you are a big zero spiritually. Supremely blessed are you when you realize you are a big zero spiritually. Now, I'll ask you all a question. Do you all consider yourself to be a big zero spiritually? No. Okay. How many of you know? Yeah, I'll get two kinds of responses. Some of you may say, you know what, Srini, I may not be very good, but I'm not bad either. I've not, I've not committed murder. I don't hate anybody. I'm so easily forgiving. I don't gossip. I don't slander. I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. You know, I've not committed, you know, I've never hated anybody in my life. So I may not be very good. I do pray one hour a day. I may not be praying three, four hours, but one hour. So I may not be very good, but I'm not bad either. I'm not a zero. On a one to ten scale, I'm five or six. How many of you in this uh, category? Praise God. Thank you. Some of you may be saying, what do you mean, you know, big zero? Hello. Not only that I don't do these things of gossip, slander, envy, and, 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 and jealousy, and murder, and all that. I do good things. I always am interceding. I'm, 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 I'm praying the divine mercy rosary. I'm praying the rosary. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about Jesus to others. You know, I've never missed a prayer meeting, you know, uh, uh, from the past five years maybe. <laughs> you may say, every Tuesday I am here. <laughs> I've never missed a Sunday Mass. I, in fact, I go for daily Mass. How can you put me in the same league as those people? If you're giving them on a 1 to 10 scale, 5 or 6, I should get 7 or 8. How many of you in this category? But Jesus is saying, supremely blessed are you when you realize you're a big zero, that your holiness is big zero. Let me give an example. I ask you one thing. If I convince you of one, something today, and I give you only one solution. It's a very easy solution. If I convince you, if you have any doubt, you can question me. But if I convince you 
will you respond to holiness there's only one thing required very easy will you respond to it if no then they, i uh, then i don't need to give a talk because you're going to just listen and go then there's no use but if i'm going to if you have doubt you can ask me you're going to you're listening to talk on holiness for 3 weeks now last week this week and also next week if you if i convince you if you have any doubt you can challenge me but if i convince you will you respond to the call and let me give you an example see your god jesus is saying supremely blessed are you when you realize you're a big zero spiritually but our own understanding of our spirituality is no i am not a zero i'm on a 1 to 10 scale 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 let me give an example let's say that you know 30 years ago if you had to see a girl walking on the streets of uh, ascension church on this road if you had to see a girl wearing earring here 1 2 3 4 5 and then nose ring and then here and then here and then one on the tongue also and one on the belly button here wearing micro wearing you know this thing till only till here hair all spiked up like a boy's hair purple if you had to see a girl dressed like this and walking 30 35 years ago what would have been your immediate reaction some of you are older than that so you can tell me what would have been your immediate reaction something's wrong somewhere here only <laughs> something's wrong here <laughs> not somewhere here only are she's escape from nimans if she if you're standing in the bus stand and this girl comes and stand next to you you know a good 2 yards away you are baba if somebody sees me with a something is wrong are patthar leke maregi you know my think something is wrong so your immediate reaction would be that of a detestable shocking horror repulsive Th- that would have been the normal reaction 30 35 years ago but now you see them dressed like this walking around mg road brigade road even on this road but you are not shocked about it anymore you are not shocked about it instead of you being shocked now it's being glorified it's called fashion show they would dress like this and they walk and it's it's hollowed there are so many advertisements it sells like hotcakes so it's there on glamorous and it's there on tv it's there in colleges it's called fashion show they come dressed that way even to the church for mass and you're not shocked about it anymore in the same way as you were 30 years ago if a girl had to come and tell the father father you know what father i love this guy but i'm very scared to commit so i will live in it i will live in with him okay live in policy i will live with him for one year after that if we still love each other then we'll get married 30 years ago if a girl had to tell you know a malayali girl had to tell the father no and the mole and the one rap and one kick lifted the pancha and give one kick he said how dare you even bring up such thing before me huh i am the head of this family i am your father twisted a hand and probably uh, locked her up in the room for two days three days whatever dash you know without food and he would have said you are you know you are destroying your life I, as a father i'm not going to sit there and just allow you to destroy your life i'm responsible you're heading straight to hell and how can i as a father just sit quiet and watch you no i'm going to do everything that's possible in the natural to bring you to discipline you and to bring you on the right path even if it means i beat you i kick you and i put you in the room for lock you up for two days i take away your mobile whatever dash today christians are all in living policies so many of them yeah i just heard you know uh, from a christian girl uh, from the youth group she said oh uh, the youth live a very uh, promiscuous life and 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 she she was saying that some of most of them are christians and and they live such a loose life you know the parents are there in 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 chennai and etc and they don't know anything about what's happening they go in the night and and they come in the morning they work they work overnight where they go what they do nobody knows today a whole lot of youngsters live in policy is become a, is it like a trend so you're not shocked about it anymore as much as you would have 30 years ago i'll give you one more example 
40 years ago when you if you saw some movies the movies always had uh, some good story it had morals it had ethics it was a good family entertainment movies had family it had ethics it had a good story it had some morals and there was three uh, characters in in a movie one is the hero and one is the villain and in between is the heroine and the hero stood up for what he stood up for truth justice uh, uh, righteousness uh, you know uh, social justice yeah he was not a drunkard he is not a wife beater he is not a uh, you know robber or an alcoholic he doesn't gamble he stood up for good values he stood up for truth he stood up for righteousness and the villain who's just the opposite who stood up for evil you know he's a gambler he's a smoker he's a drunkard uh, he rapes women and all that stuff in between is the one heroine in between the villain and the hero is the heroine and generally if you see it was good family entertainment with good with, with 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 ethics with with good morals behind it so the ending scene would be something like this that there is a fight between the hero and the villain the fight between the good and the evil and you know the hero beats up the villain and the villain beats up the hero and then the climax scene is that the hero beats up the villain and the villain is about to fall off the cliff this is the cliff is about to fall off the cliff and then the hero looks at him and has compassion on him and then he picks him up and draws it and looking at this good heart good work of this hero the villain also is converted villain also is converted he also becomes good yeah only the old ones are saying yes <laughs> so that was 30 years ago it it had good morals yeah good morals good ethics good values it was a family entertainment whole family could sit and watch and carry home something nice that would build the person this days movies there is no villain you know why because the hero is the villain hero is the villain he's the angry young man who shoots first ask questions later he's ruthless yeah he's merciless somebody messes with him he just finishes them off he's not a merciful guy he's not the guy who stands up for righteousness he stands up for truth he stands up for social justice no you know he can be a robber he can steal you know uh, rob a bank and he's so smart he gets away with it even the police cannot catch him he's busy dancing with the uh, with a heroine and then he sees some other girl <laughs> you know he'll be passing lewd comment and we'll say hamara hero see how everything is changing everything is changing he doesn't stand up for what is right and what is good anymore stands up for all the evil things and he we call him what hero and those movies run like hot cakes you see some movies the posters are like this tone pant jeans pant the hair and all flowing like this and in his hand is one you know machete thing to kill people are baba ye hero hai kya kahan se aaya yaar you know those kind of movies sell like hot cakes it's selling that's why they keep making it see how everything is changing let's come to the love scenes those days 30 years ago uh, the hero and heroine are dancing love scene generally what is there now okay this side is the hero and this side is the heroine and in between is a big banyan tree and uh, their whole love song is like you know their hands can hardly meet and they will inscribe one one heart shape and put their initials and that is a symbol of their love they hold hands and sing a song and it's over okay that used to be the love scenes of uh, of of movies 30 35 years ago after that you know what happened it stopped raining in india famine drought it stopped raining famine drought so the big banyan tree shrunk it became a it became a coconut tree and then it became a twig and after that they broke up broke off the twig also and then they took off their clothes as well yeah that's exactly what happened a boy uh, you know 15 year old boy who was watching at his house while pay his parents were not there he was watching this movie called jism 2 it was it's made by pooja but on the laptop and there were so many erotic scenes in that after having watched it uh, he got sexually aroused he went to the school 
and uh, he picked up a girl who was studying in the fourth standard, took her to the third floor in the auditorium, and he tried to rape her. He was caught. He was thrown out of school. Little did he know that watching this movie would make him end up losing his career. Oh, can you see how what is good has become perverted? Our own understanding of what is good is depraved, is changing. It's constantly changing. It's getting depleted. Our understanding of what is good and holiness is getting depleted. So how can we say that I am good on a 1 to 10 scale, 4 or 5? We are comparing ourselves to a worse sinner than I am. And I am saying, according to, you see, I don't do things like this, like my neighbor or my friend and etc., etc. Therefore, I am good. I'm comparing myself to a worse sinner than I am. And I'm saying, in comparison to him, I am good. I don't gossip, I don't slander, I have not committed murder, I have not done this. So in comparison, I am good. So in, in other words, the measure of my friend's sinfulness or my neighbor's or my colleague's sinfulness is the measure of my holiness. Who is the measure of all holiness? Jesus is the measure of all holiness. So a soul that has an encounter with Jesus, two things happen. One thing is that it has a revelation of God's majesty and, hol and his holiness. And the second thing is it begins to look at its own poverty, spiritual poverty, it's its own sinfulness. Two things happen when you encounter God. Once you begin to hollow God and bow down and say, wow, an encounter of who God is. You, when you come in, when you're living in darkness, you don't see the imperfections, but when you walk in the light, when you've been brought before light, you will see all the imperfections that is there. So when you encounter God, in the light of God's holiness, you have a revelation of who God is, God's holiness. And then in the light of his uh, holiness, you begin to see your own sinfulness. And then you begin to realize, oh my God, I was thinking I was good. But I know now I'm gone. In uh, Isaiah chapter 6, just before Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter uh, 5, uh, 8 onwards. If you see, Isaiah is coming to the temple. As he is walking, he, he sees, Isaiah is a priest, he's a holy man, he's a prophet. He's walking and he sees some people and he says, Woo to them, Lord, uh, who add field upon field and house upon house until there is no room. And then he walks a little further and he sees another group of people and he says, Woo to them, Lord, drunkards, heroes in drinking. They go up, drink in the morning and they go work and in the evening they go drunkards. And then he walks a little further. He says, Woo to them, Lord, who call evil good and good evil. Walks a little further. He says, Woo to them who take bribe. They take bribe and they acquit the, uh, the guilty and deprive the innocent of his right. So he's busy finding fault with everyone. And then Isaiah chapter 6, 1 onwards, he comes into the temple, and then he sees he has an encounter with God. And then the Bible says, there the Lord was seated on the throne, and there was angels who were there, and they were covering, they had six wings. With two, they covered their face, their eyes. With two, they covered, and then two, they were saying, professing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Then he sees God's holiness. And then he begins to realize and he says, Lord, I am lost. I am lost. I'm a man with unclean lips. I am lost. Until then, he thought he was found. Everything's wrong with the world, but he's nothing wrong with him. But when he had an encounter, now imagine, the angels, are they with any sin? Are they with any sin except the fallen angels? They are with sin. The holy angels, are they with sin? But yet, when they were before a holy God, they are without sin. But yet, with two wings, they covered their face like this. Their eyes, reverence, total reverence. How much more we, a sinner? And so when he has an encounter, he begins to realize his own sinfulness. And he says, who is me, Lord? I am lost. I'm a man with unclean lips. 
he realized his sin was gossip and slander and judgmental attitude and condemning nature maybe yeah he says who is me i'm lost you know jesus speaks about a parable you know in, Ma- in luke chapter 18 was 11 onwards jesus said the tax collector and the pharisee went to pray to the temple the pharisee said lord thank you lord i'm not like him an extortioner an adulterer and he cheats and 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 he says thank you lord i i fast twice a week i pray you know i give tithe i give my alms and here was this tax collector who wouldn't even lift up his lift up his head and he was just beating his chest and saying lord have mercy on me a sinner and jesus said he went back more justified there were two people who walked in both were sinners one knew his sin the other one did not know his sin what was the sin of the pharisee pride judgmental attitude condemning nature but he did not know but this man knew he went back more justified jesus said and the first beatitude is blessed are the poor and supremely blessed are you when you realize you are a big zero spiritually your holiness is to be compared not with my neighbor or with somebody else or not even with any saint it has to be compared with jesus because the commandment is be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect be holy as i am holy a person who does not have a living relationship with jesus who's a sunday catholic who goes for mass and does all the good works or even a charismatic who does not have a living relationship with jesus cannot live a life of holiness if they think they are good and they are holy they are disillusioned just like the pharisee i'll tell you why in matthew chapter 5 verse 20 jesus says matthew chapter 5 verse 20 he says there's a righteousness that comes from keeping the law and he says unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the pharisees and the scribes you shall never enter the kingdom of god now the pharisees and the scribes they knew the law they knew the law they were teachers of the they knew the law and they kept the law but they were so blind in their heart there was no love for god when jesus the messiah manifested himself before them they persecuted him now it's possible that i have no inclination towards god but yet i can keep the law the old testament law was this the 10 commandments if you commit murder you're guilty of sin if you commit murder if you kill somebody you're guilty of sin if you commit adultery you're guilty of sin it had everything to do with the action now if you think of committing murder meditate but you don't commit it are you guilty of sin no in the old testament no even in in the court of law if you meditate but you never committed it you never acted upon it you're not guilty in any court you're free the old testament was like that as long as you don't do it you are acquitted you are not guilty of sin now G- so there were people who kept the law in outward they had not committed they had not committed adultery or uh, murder or whatever they had kept the law but that's the old testament righteousness righteousness that comes from keeping the law the pharisees and the scribes they kept the law and jesus is saying unless your righteousness exceeds that of that that of the pharisees and the scribes you can never enter the kingdom of god and what is that and he explains saying in the old it was said if you murder somebody you kill somebody you're liable for judgment but i say to you if you are, have anger in your heart towards a brother if you hate him if you have anger you are liable for judgment if you hate somebody if you anger in your heart towards any person you are liable you're guilty of murder you're guilty of killing him you're liable for judgment 
And he says, earlier it was said, do not commit adultery. But he says, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. So he was saying, it's not just not doing, but it's also your inward being. How you think, that also matters to God. Praise the Lord. And Jesus says, you will be judged based on that. Not just doing. But even if you think, you are guilty before my court. How can a person be holy? It is by having a living relationship with Jesus. When you have a living relationship with Jesus, he begins to speak to you and show you what is right and what is wrong in a way that you can never have imagined. What you would have thought was perfect, right, and, and there's nothing sinful about it. The world might say there's nothing wrong in it, but God will show you, hey, in my light, in my sight, this is wrong. When you have a living relationship with Jesus, you begin to, when you walk with him in a living relationship with him, then every day you're walking in the light. The more you come closer and closer to the light, the more you begin to see your own imperfections. The more I'm farther away from the light, there are many imperfections, but I cannot see it. The more I walk closer and closer to the light, see, and the Bible says, Lord, in your light, we see light. You know, I, I, I want to quote this, you know, my wife, you know, when she did her first retreat, you know, when she was a small girl, uh, you know, uh, her father had kept some coins for her in a box for her and for her brother so that they can go and take it anytime they want and uh, to buy some biscuits or, you know, when they go to school to buy some biscuits, whatever, chocolates, it was kept for them. Now, she used to go and take it while nobody was watching her. It was kept for her. She used to go and take it while nobody is watching her and go and take biscuits or chocolates or whatever. Now, she attended the retreat, uh, you know, years later when she was uh, 23. Now, this was maybe when she was 8 or 9 maybe, yeah? Okay, this thing happened. Now, she's attending a retreat when she's 23 years of age. And she told Jesus, show me my sin. And the Lord began to show it to her like a TV screen. And then he showed her that when you took that coin, that was sin before my eyes. And she said, why? Why was that sin? that coins were kept for me. And Jesus said, yeah, but what was your intention? You didn't want anybody to see you. You did it in the dark. You didn't want anybody to see Why did you go and take it while nobody was watching? What was your motive? That is sin before my eyes. See, in the normal setting, it's not a sin. But when you walk close to Jesus, he will show you. He will show you sin while in the natural eyes, you can see no sin at all. Some five, six years, five years ago, I had an old car and I had to change the tires so I went and uh, to JC Road, along came with another friend of mine. He said, I'll also come, whatever. So we went to one place and then we had to change some things and, you know, some, the rim was rusted, whatever. One thing led to the other and et cetera. And then I ended up buying some, you know, fancy looking mag wheels for my car. I went to buy tires and then, uh, you know, he showed me something, this thing, and then, and it looked nice. My friend said, wow, it's nice. And so I bought it. I paid money and, uh, you know, and I bought it. He fixed it in the, on the car. And then I'm driving back home. My peace disappeared. My peace absolutely disappeared. My peace, oh, I felt like I've, you know, oh, sorry. You know, I know I sinned. You know, I never consulted God. This was not God's will. It was not in the, in the Lord's will that I buy this and do this. You know, f from there, I went straight. I didn't come home. I've been out the whole day. I didn't come home. I went in search of a priest. I went for confession. And if I tell the priest that, your father, I've sinned, I bought a tire mag wheel, he may laugh at me, correct? No. I mean, you know. So I said, Father, I've sinned. I've done what is not in the will of God, and etc. And so he gave me absolution. 
and then uh, I resolved in my mind, I'm going to go back tomorrow and I'm going to return it. I may lose my money, but it doesn't matter. I went back the next morning. First thing in the morning, I drove there. I told him, I don't want your mag wheel. I don't want the you know wheel tire. I don't want any of this. Please take it. He says, Hare, you know. Then he gave me some sudden and whatever dash. I lost a lot of money, okay. But my peace came back, you know. And then I knew. I mean, I, my peace came back. Praise God. Yeah, I lost money, but I, I, my peace came back. In the natural, you don't find any sin in it. It is good for the car, whatever dash, it will last, all that nonsense, whatever. But before my God, it was a sin. I am called to do His will. I did something which was attractive to my, uh, my eyes, but it was never in the will of God. I never consulted Him, never asked Him. He only told me, go change your tires. But when, th when there, whatever, so it, became, it was a sin. And only when I confessed, it, the thing left me, ah. Then I said, I don't want the tire. After that, when I used to look at it, it used to. I became repulsive about it, because of this tire. I lost my peace. You know, <laughs> yeah. I went and returned it. When you walk with Jesus, He begins to show you your ugliness, your sin, your sin. Jesus tells Sister Josepha, you know, Blessed Josepha. He came to her in the. You know, Jesus used to appear to her uh, in the 1920s, 22, 21, whatever. So, and uh, you know, he used to give her a lot of revelations. Yeah, he used to give her a lot of revelations, and Jesus told her to write about it. So she wrote about it, and uh, it was uh, you know, and she was told to go to the the bishop and to her superior. Everybody prayed, and they confirmed that this is coming from God. So. She was such a holy nun in that sense. And one day God showed her in her dream. She was in some place where it was totally dark. And uh, she didn't know what this was. There was a mist and there was a light that came and then the mist lifted up a little bit. And then she began to see, oh, what is this place? And then she found that it's full of thorns and thistles. And not only that, she's getting a stench. And that stench is coming from where? It's coming from a pond which is in that place. And that water is rotten. And she was thinking, what is this? that I see. And Jesus said to her, that is your soul. It's filled with thorns and thistles, and the water is rotten. It's giving out stench. That is your soul. And he says, it is my light that shows you your misery. It is my light that shows you your misery. First, she could not see it. It was all dark. There was a mist. But the light came, and the mist was lifted, and then she could see. And he says, it is my light that shows you your misery. If this is true of a nun, who lived in 1922, who had such beautiful revelations, who never watched Duradarshan, who never watched star movies, never watched uh, all this rubbish, yeah? And if that is true of her, imagine a vast soul where the temptations and the contamination that we receive from media and from etc., etc., and the environment around us is multiplied maybe a thousand times. You cannot go to heaven by keeping a set of rules. It has to come from the inside. That, that's why I said to you that one needs to have a living relationship with Jesus. It is he who can see what is wrong. Every day when you encounter, what do I mean by a living relationship? Every day spending time in prayer. Every day spending time in prayer. In union with God. When you, every day when you're encountering God this way, in your personal time of prayer, there are two things that happens. One is that you, you experience God, but you also begin to see your imperfections. And so there is constant everyday repentance happening. If, uh, uh, you know, if I tell somebody that this is the level of holiness that God is expecting out of us. If you have hatred towards or anger towards, you already committed you know, murder. If you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you are guilty in my court. 
you know, you will be judged with lake of fire. So if I tell this to a normal human person, he will think, this is unattainable. You know, what God is asking is unattainable. So don't let a person say, you know who I am? I've done PhD in sin. <laughs> I've done this, 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 this. I've done PhD in sin. And what is this God asking me to give up all this and live like? I can never attain that kind of holiness. So there's no point pursuing it. Leave it. So let me go on my own way. God is saying in Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26, to a soul that responds this way, God is saying, I will cleanse you from all your uncleanliness and your idols. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and cleanse you from all your idols and uncleannesses. I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will give you a new spirit that will cause you to keep my ordinances. Praise the Lord. God is saying you cannot be holy by yourself. God knows it. And so therefore, look at this thing. I will do it. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your uncleanliness and your idols. I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will give you my spirit which will cause you to walk in my ordinances. Praise the Lord. He says, I, it's initiative is with God. Initiative is with God. He says, I will do it. He says, you can't do it by yourself. I will do it. Again, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24, the Bible says, May the God of peace himself, may the God of peace himself sanctify you and keep you whole at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful. He will also do it. The Bible is saying, May the God of peace himself sanctify you, cleanse you, sanctify you and make you whole and keep you blameless at the coming of our Lord he who has called you is faithful. He will also do it. So it's whose initiative? God's initiative. So for that holiness to be worked out in our life, the first primary thing, the first primary thing is for you to surrender your life unconditionally to God. Because you know what? The root of all evil is rebellion. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God said, don't eat this fruit. If you eat of it, you will become like God. You know, don't eat. When God said to Adam and Eve, you know, do not eat this fruit. You know, what was he saying? I have a, a three-year-old girl, you know, when she was one and a half year, she was taking the pencil and putting it in her mouth. Okay, and she's not firm on her feet. If she falls, what's going to happen? She'll get poor. So I decided, so I put her in a playpen. I got a playpen. I put her in a playpen and I said, I, as a father, I love you and I know what is good for you and what is not good for you. I'm going to choose what toys you can play with, what you cannot play with. So I put all the soft toys in the playpen. All the toys with all the screws and all these other things, I put them away. Now she might have cried and thrown, uh, she cried through a tantrum, but I knew as a father, I'm telling her, I know what's good for you, what is not good for you. You're my little one. You don't have the understanding. Trust in me. Allow me to choose for you. Praise Lord. In the same way, God was telling Adam and Eve, I am your father. You know, you don't have the intelligence to handle the environment around you. Trust in me. Let me choose for you. You can eat the fruit of all the tree. Do not eat this. And the sin of Eve was that she decided to become God. Why should I listen to God? Why should I be under his control? I am going to do what I think is right, even if it means it's offending God. I am the God of my life. I am going to do my will. 
not his will my will what i think is right i am going to do it doesn't matter if it offends god i don't care she took it and she ate it the sin is rebellion out of this rebellion comes out all other sin if you look at murder or adultery or gossip envy slander malice whatever it is these are the fruits of a tree but the root is rebellion and when jesus died on the cross in isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6 the bible says he took upon himself the rebellion of us all the word iniquities he was wounded for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities upon him fell the punishment which made us whole by his wounds we are healed we all are like sheep that have gone astray each one gone his own way what is the sin the sin is this we all have gone our own way we all are the gods of our own life we all have done what we think is right not can never consulted god never allowed god to be a father in our lives we have done our own things that is the root of all evil the word avon is rebellion when john the baptist saw jesus he said what what did he say behold the lamb of god takes away the sins of the world is it sins of the world it is the sin of the world it is that rebellion that is the root cause who'll take away the sin of the world the rebellion jesus took away this rebellion and that rebellion is there in each one of us and that rebellion manifests in different ways of gossip slander this that etc 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 so you want holiness come before god and surrender that rebellion surrender your will and that's what jesus mentioned very clearly with no ambiguity if any man wants to come after me while he was here on earth what did he do he did he do anything by his own will he did only that was the will of the father he said i've come here not to do my own will but to do the will of my father my food is to do the will of my father at garden of gethsemane father if it's possible take away this cup of suffering but yet not my will your will be done and he said i have lived this way you want holiness you also follow this way if any man wants to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me he who saves his soul will lose it he who loses soul for my sake will save it not everyone who says lord lord will be saved but those who do the will of my those who allow god to control them as a father i control my children i'm their father i beat them sometimes and the bible says god corrects god is your father and he corrects you because he disciplines you because he loves you the sin you want to work on holiness the first thing is you need to come before god and give your rebellion your will unconditionally to god your will that is infected with rebellion your mind is contaminated your emotions are contaminated your will is also infected with rebellion and so you need to come before god and give your will unconditionally to god the problem with us no we don't want to give a will we don't mind giving tithe we don't mind giving another 10% extra we don't mind donating something here to the church we don't mind doing this we don't want to give a will god doesn't want your money god doesn't want your services also we are only deceiving ourselves you want the truth take it jesus said i'm looking for a heart everything i created but i'm looking for a heart i want to be enthroned in your heart a humble and a contrite heart i'm looking for god wants to be enthroned in your heart so you want to work out holiness give your life unconditionally to jesus every day spend time in prayer when you are closely united with god in prayer you begin to see your own imperfections and then you can repent of it and then god gives you the grace god gives you the grace he changes you inside out he changes you inside out he gives you the grace to overcome it 
I'll give you an example. I was in the in the music field before I came to the Lord. I was a drummer for so many years. I was into you know a lot of uh, you know heavy metal music, and uh, you know that was my passion. When I came to the Lord, I said, "Okay, I'm going to obey God," and I gave it up. I happened to go to uh, St. John's three years ago. I had to my wife and my daughter had some i think they were sick so i took them to the and suddenly there was this autumn news there was a lot of music i said oh what is this there was this heavy metal band playing i heard it i said what happened to him what is he doing what screaming is that what kind of singing is that and then i began to think hey jesus once upon a time i was <laughs> now god has changed me inside out he's changed me it's repulsive for me i can't stand it i said i'm going to get a headache i took my children if you stand here you'll get a headache come let's go so i took them off to one side where you know you couldn't you know the sound was not so i began to realize wow i was in that music earlier i used to bell drums but now god told me give it but you know every day you commune with god you spend time in prayer he changes you inside out he says i will take your heart of stone i will cleanse you from your all your uncleanliness and your and i will give you a new heart Jesus said you are the you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world a city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden a city Jesus compared the soul to a city now I'll ask you a question there's a lot of uh, sewage water running on the road yeah a lot of garbage dumped here everywhere okay in bangalore city is the second dirtiest city in the india or in the world or something okay. now if the mayor is going to say in 15 days time i will have this city completely cleaned okay completely clean he makes a declaration but he gives the corporation permission to clean only five streets now what will you call that uh, mayor he is claiming that he is going to cleanse the whole city in 15 days time it will be clean but he is giving corporation only permission to clean five streets so what are you going to call him you call him a fool your soul is like that city okay there's filth everywhere you don't want to give the whole thing you're only giving five streets where you need blessing where you need job where you need this where you need that you're pray you're surrendering to jesus and praying you know near the bread of life there is this park it's called ganja park i heard that people take ganja and a lot of things go on in the night and a whole lot of rubbish so we are telling jesus jesus i will give you hutchinson road i'll give you koramangla but uh, you know no ganja park ganja park is mine you think you'll go to heaven you think god can work out holiness in your life God is a gentleman. He stands at the door and knock. If you open, he'll come. If you give your life, he will sanctify. If you not, what can he do? You want holiness? The first thing is give your life. You don't know how much muck is there. You don't even know how much muck is there. Every day you come before God, surrender your life to him unconditionally saying, "You're my, here's my will, here's my heart, here's my soul. Take it. Be my God. Lead me." And every day commune with him in personal prayer through holy mass. through meditation of the word and the reading of the word do all these things as you continue to do you will begin to realize there was so much mark which you didn't know we did not even know it was there but he without even your knowledge sometimes he cleanses it out he cleanses it out without even your knowledge you all need to surrender your life unconditionally before god you want holiness surrender your life then god will cleanse even the ganja park he takes away sometimes even the desire for that when you surrender it and when you continue to pray and pray and pray he takes away even the desire for it he says i will do it but only one thing is required you give me your heart you give me your soul i who have called you i am faithful i will sanctify you i will keep you blameless at the coming of our lord when i say give your life it means that you're giving your entire life 
your whole soul, all the areas of your life, not only the areas of struggle, but finance, this, that, everything. You're giving Jesus your life as a blank sheet saying, I am that little child, three-year-old child. I don't know what is right, what is wrong. You're my father. You guide me, you lead me. I'm giving my past, present, future like a small child, giving it in your hands. That is what it is. Everybody who wants to just surrender your life, uh, let's just say this prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you just as we are. Lord Jesus, accept us. Lord, with all our weaknesses, with all our sins, with all our wretchedness. Jesus, I give you my heart, my soul, my life. Jesus, I give you my emotions, my mind, and my will unconditionally to you. I proclaim you the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, cleanse me with your precious blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me in the way of eternal life. Save my soul, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy own choices. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.